0: Coming to you from North Central Ohio, we share with you the Voice of the Nazarene, a week-by-week venture into the Word of God sponsored by the Bucyrus, Ohio, Church of the Nazarene. We join our pastor, Reverend Ray LaSalle, and the Voice of the Nazarene. Wasn't it? All three of you. So glad those three came. I could hear playing and just occasionally off and on and what a blessing it is to have such beautiful talent, orchestra, singers. I trust that uh, God has something to share with us this morning. Uh, pastoring is so different than evangelism. Twenty-three years of evangelism, you could repeat yourself some, and nobody knew the difference. But they know the difference when you're pastoring. They had a dude ranch out west, and they advertised, we've got tall horses for tall people, short horses for short people, heavy horses for And we have horses that have never been ridden. For those who have never ridden a horse. <laughs> and uh, when you're pastoring, every time you walk into the pulpit, whether you realize it or not, it's, you never know if you'll get bucked off the sermon or not. Every time I walk into the pulpit, I talked to somebody yesterday and they said their greatest fear and he was standing right here, I was getting ready to marry him to a gal, and he said, I'm supposed to say some of my vows, and he said, the public speaking is my number one fear. I said, me too, every Sunday. You'd never know, and I never walk out here, but when I say, please God, don't leave me just up there standing. Please help me, anoint me. So I hope that God has something to share, And not only with us, but you who are watching by live stream and by telecast. We've been telecasting now for a number of years, been on radio for many, many years. And uh, when I was in evangelism, we were on about 30 stations, long before others in the holiness movement were. And of course, I got shot a time or two. Went on TV and took some more hits. You know, if you're a step ahead, you're a leader. If you're 10 steps ahead, you're a target. (laughs) Now all my dear brothers, they're all out there on YouTube and just preaching up a storm, but when we did it on TV, we got shot. Nice to be holy. I'm talking about bullet holes. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, and I just want to preach to you kind of texturally, if you don't mind, from this verse, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And what I'd like to address just for a few minutes this morning the question is, what does God do for you and for me? It was on April the 15th, 1947, Jackie Robinson became the first black man to play professional baseball. It was a shocker to sports enthusiasts when suddenly he stepped out on the field and they couldn't believe it. They. They begin to call all kinds of racial slurs and boos and garbage and so all kinds of very mean things. Jackie Robinson had to even stay in different hotels. He couldn't stay with his teammates. He had to use different restrooms. At some of the opposing games, when they would step out to play or he'd even be in the batter's box, they, uh, some of the opposing players would take their bat and they would turn it around and aim it at him like they were shooting him with a gun. They went to games and people would release black cats, throw them out on the field and call, there's your cousin, Jackie. There's your brother, Jackie. And folk, I, I don't really know what you believe, but That's bad at the highest level. God created all men equal. Jesus loves everybody. He died for all of us. Red, yellow, black, and white. They're all precious in his sight. Jackie Robinson was the first to play, so I guess he was a target. He said that he was at an all-time low with being put down with the booze, the jeering. There were even death threats. And there was a game in which Jackie Robinson played first base. And uh, it seemed like the crowd was on their feet and slurring and, and booing and threatening more than ever. And about that time, the captain of the team, a man by the name of Pee Wee Reese stepped out and walked over to first base and put his arm around his black teammate and he turned and he faced the stands and just stood there staring at him. and suddenly a silence swept across that ball field and a silence grew all the way up into the stands. Later, Jackie Robinson said that probably P. Wee Reese thought that he saved my career. But in reality, he said he probably saved my life. For he said, I was at wit's end. I couldn't go any further. And he said, I'll never get over what P. Wee Reese did for me when he took his stand for me. And folk, when somebody does an act of kindness, when somebody is good to us or they just go out of their way to make us feel special, we ought to be grateful. We ought to never get over when somebody's good to us. And I got to thinking on that thought and I got to thinking when God is good to us and I don't know of anybody any better to us than God. And I think of all that God has done for us and what he's doing for us and what his plans are for our future. What has Jesus done for you and for me? May I say, first of all, he shifted our past. That past that I had, he shifted it and changed it. Most of us, we're human and we struggle with this thing called forgiveness, forgiving others when they slur us or slight us and people are really good at doing it and especially behind our backs. And it's hard to release it and it's hard to let it go and when we see its effect like dominoes and others are influenced it's hard to release it and let it go and, and to forgive them. But we need to but we need to. And boy, what a difference it makes when you forgive others. Can I just stop there for a moment? I was talking to you about how grateful Jackie Robinson was. And I said, when people are good to us, we ought to be grateful. I was thinking, Dr. Saunders booked me for the district primetime retreat this last year. And it was over in Amish country near... uh, Oh, that's something called sweet something, I can't remember. Sugar Creek, Creek, that's it. (laughs) What's that sweet smelling flower, Rose? Thank you, Rose. (laughs) So, anyhow, I I had to speak in the morning, speak in the evening, and long before that, I'd booked a wedding. And the wedding was to be on Thursday and the rehearsal was on Wednesday and they'd booked it a little early on so I had spoke that morning in Amish country. Then I had to get 70 miles over here to Marengo, Indiana for this uh, wedding rehearsal. And then I hop back in and race all the way back to Amish country and, and step in and speak to those who were a part of our primetime retreat across the district and elsewhere. Now, to say I was tired is an understatement. I was exhausted. And one of our dear couples here in this church, one of the newer couples that has started coming, his name is Darrell. And Darrell found out that I needed to drive all the way to Marengo, Indiana, and or Ohio, and then try to get back in time to speak. And he said, I, I, I'll drive you. Oh, I said, that's okay. I'm in a stupor anyhow. He said, no, I, I'll, I'll drive you. And, and so I finally agreed, and we, we walked out, and, and we started for my car, and he said, no, we'll just take my truck. And I got to climb in that brand new, beautiful truck that rode better than a car, and, we took, and there's no roads to go to Marengo, Indiana, from Sugar Creek. This is a mega road. In fact, the matter GPS took us on places that wasn't a road. It took us literally to dead ends and we had to turn around and try to find the road to help GPS a little bit. And I'm over there kind of half asleep and hanging on for dear life and we're trying to get to where. And when he brought me back and I got up and spoke, I was so grateful. There is no way to express how grateful to Darl for taking me on that afternoon when I was so tired. I was out of strength the other evening and and I, I do that once in a while, and, and uh, I just crazed. I, I went home and crazed. I looked at Jan. She wasn't feeling well, and she had already crazed. So we, we're together having this accident. She hadn't fixed supper, and uh, I was sitting there, and the phone rang. And it was one of our dear couples right here in this church. And they'd called, and he said to me, he said, we just took it off the grill and from out of the oven, and we've got a warm supper for you tonight. Unbelievable. I walked out and carried that supper in, and it was the highlight of my week. And I thought, how grateful that I am. I got a little storage building over here across town, and it's got a little bit of grass. There's not much grass there except when I'm mowing. And it's the heaviest grass. And I've got one of these push mowers that uh, you just can't hard to keep the thing running with all that heavy grass. I'll spend more time trying to pull start that thing than I do getting the grass cut. We had a, one of our newer couples, and they pulled up, and he put the window down, and he said, what you doing, preacher? <laughs> I wanted to say flying an airplane. I said, I'm trying, he said, is this your building? I said, most of the time it is. Boy, he said, I can, I can mow this for you, you don't have to be over here. Said, I, uh, well, we just live right up the way here, and he's been mowing it ever since. I can't tell you how grateful, and what a load it's lifted off of me. And when I think about how Jesus has shifted my past and took all that sin and all that junk in my life and removed it as far as the east is from the west. You'll never find it, so don't waste your time. He put up a no fishing sign anyhow. (laughs) Private property for your information. And how good he's been. To deal with those attitudes in our life like bitterness. Bitterness will do more to destroy the container in which it's stored than the object on which it's poured. And God wants to take all of that junk out of our lives and uh, deal with us with forgiveness. Story goes that a lady was walking past her husband in the home. He was in the recliner. When you're in the recliner, you're, you're totally relaxed. And when she went by, she took a pencil and thumped him on the head. And once he got his eyes uncrossed, he said, what did you do that for? She said, I happened to find in your shirt pocket when I was getting ready to wash your shirt, a card on the back of it, it was signed, Sarah Lou. And who is Sarah Lou? Oh, he said, you don't need to worry about that. I was at the track and I was betting on this horse named Sarah Lou. Oh, she said, I didn't know. About three days later, he's in his recliner again, and when she went by this time, she hit him with a skillet for all she was worth. When he finally got his brain unscrambled, he said, what did you do that for? Oh, she said, I just needed to mention, your horse, Sarah Lou, just called. (laughs) And I, I don't know if your horse has called, but I know that all of us have some regrets in our life. I know that all of us have a past There's things that want to come out of the past and haunt us, and there's things that we wish that we could do over again. But I'm glad for Revelation 1 5. It said, Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Can you imagine that he shifted all of our past? He took those sins and put them under the blood, and now they're as white as snow. We have no past, it's been forgiven. Once and for all, that's good news. What does that mean? It means that he moved me, shifted me from being a, a sinner over here to being a, a saint. He, it means he took me from sin unto salvation. It means he took me from a servant over here to a, a son. A slave works for the family, but a son is a part of the family. It meant I was an old creature. But according to 2 Corinthians five seventeen, therefore, any man who is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Somebody said, church preacher made me a lot better. Jesus didn't die on the cross to make you better. He died on the cross to make you a new man and a new woman. That's why he did it. So I went from being a sinner to being a saint. From sin to salvation. From our own creature into a new creation. And from darkness to light. And from unrighteousness to righteousness. That's what the Lord does for you, for me. So let me tell you what the Lord did. He shifts our past. That's what he does. We're forgiven. We get a new start. But something else I got to thinking about this week and I'm just touching on what I thought about. There's many things that you could share that the Lord's done for you. But I believe he shares my present. Right in the now, he shares that with me in 2 Timothy 4.16. Paul said, he said at my first hearing when he was in court, no man stood with me. All men forsook me. And in verse 17, he said, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. So not only does he shift our past, but he shares our present. does he share a present? Well, first of all, he becomes a partner for life. Look at what he says in Deuteronomy 31, 8, and the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. And then in Psalm 37, verse 10, when my father and my mother forsake me, and I hope they don't, mine are gone, but I I hope they haven't blotted me out. But if they should, the Lord will take me up as a partner for life. Do you know when you see somebody else, you don't know what they're going through. People that you have maybe known may be at wit's end and about to throw in the towel. I have talked with people and the next day they had committed suicide. We don't know what they're going through. Be real careful. Sometimes they just need a kind word from you. They need you to share the present with them. I got a phone call, and it was a pastor's wife from Fort Scott, Kansas, and she said, Preacher, my husband just left me for another woman in the church. It was quiet. She said, Did you hear me? I said, Yes. I heard you. I said, I just met with him. I said, he called me and asked me to meet with him at a little restaurant right outside of town that nobody hardly goes to, where you wouldn't be seen. And I said, when I walked in, there he sat over there in a booth with his arm around a little blonde and told me he wanted me to marry him. Yeah, I said, I already know. He said, we've been married for years. We've got kids together. we. Our life has been together. He left me. But I want you to know there's one that won't leave you. He'll be a partner for life. When he looks at that marriage certificate, it has no expiration date. He'll stick with you. But he shares my present because he's got a plan for daily living. You know what he said there in Matthew six thirty four: take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow, Shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Don't worry about tomorrow. He said, I've got a plan for tomorrow. So he's my partner for life. He's my my planner. And not only that, he's got peace, he's got joy. I don't have time to deal with it. He also has a purpose for my life and meaning for my life. So he shifts my past. He wants to share my present. And I'm glad he does. The little boy said to his mom, said, Mom, can I go outside and play baseball? She said, By yourself? Oh, no. There's someone out there waiting to play ball with me. He said, Who is it? said, It's Jesus. They'll mess with you, won't it? Now, she said, Let me get this straight. You want to go out and play baseball with Jesus? She, he said, Yes, Mama. Well, said, how does Jesus play baseball? He said, I just throw the ball up and he throws it back and I throw it up and he throws it back and we have a great game, mom. Can I tell you, friend, this thing isn't about religion. It's about a relationship. It's about a relationship and some of us need to get in. And then I was reading Hebrews 13, 5, where it said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's a great little passage. My problem is I'm not a great Greek scholar. I I know a little Greek. He has a restaurant uptown before he retired. If you want to argue over translations, just help yourself, the devil's gonna have a field day. They're all translations. Hello? You can argue one's better than another and you can get into all this stuff if you want to, but it's still not the original. You go to the original on that verse and it says, I will never, 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 ever leave you. Here's the third thing he does. He sources my power. Zechariah 4, 6, this is the word of the Lord. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. In other words, it's not our intellect. It's not our abilities. It's not our networking with others. It's not our net worth. It's his spirit. I wish I could make that clear for your understanding this morning. We need the Holy Spirit is what I'm trying to say. I'm convinced every Christian needs indwelt by the Holy Spirit. What really worries me, a lot of Christians are not empowered by the Holy Spirit. And it's the power and the spirit that we need. It makes a difference in our life. What will give you power? What will help you to overcome? What what will help you to find the victory? What will get you over the hurdles of life? You can't do it on your own. I've lived too long. I know better. Nobody is going to convince me of anything else but that. The only way we're going to make it is through the power and endowment of the Holy Spirit. We meet in our churches across the nation, you know, about 11 o'clock sharp and leave at about 12 o'clock dull. We've got it all programmed down and pretty well got the Holy Spirit programmed out. But I want to tell you something, when all the bells and the whistles and all that stuff is through and the lights and the smoke and everything else, boil it down if you don't have the Holy Spirit in the service and in the hearts of the people, we're just meeting together no more than a club. What a difference it makes when the Holy Spirit comes. Simon Peter, he was always telling I'll go with you to prison or to death. I'll, if nobody else will stand up for you, I'll stand for you. And a little damsel came up and he denied not even knew Jesus. But after Pentecost, he walked out of that upstairs room and began to preach like they'd never heard. And he looked that crowd in the eye, and he'd been a denier before, but the Holy Ghost had burned out that carnality and filth in his heart. And he looked that crowd in the eye and said, ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart, ye do always resist the Holy One. What was it that made the difference? He'd been to Pentecost, and he'd been empowered by the Holy Ghost. Calvary is all about pardon. Pentecost is about power, about power. Can I illustrate for you? Those three people, would you respond, please? (laughs) My office manager is now the world-class office manager. I asked her to get me. I wanted dirt. But since she also does the janitoring here, she wouldn't have gave me any dirt. But let's just pretend this is dirt. Come on, people. (laughs) Boy, that was fun. (laughs) Now, any of you got any dirt in your rug? Don't look at me like that. You know you've got dirt in your rug. <laughs> what is that dirt in my rug? It's none of your business. My dirt or your dirt. I'm talking about some things in our life, some weights, some things that need to be dealt with, and we've tried to clean it up for years and couldn't, but I, I've got some news for you. Now, I don't know if this is going to work or not, but let me ask you something. Is there a release on this thing? Let me ask, how many believe that this thing will get the dirt up? Okay. How we doing? Okay, that didn't work. So let's try something else. What made the difference? The power. The power made the difference. And some of us have struggled for years trying to clean up the carpet. We have struggled trying to get the mess that's in our life. When the blinds are pulled and the doors are shut and nobody's able to see in, we know about that besetting sin. We know about those encumbering weights and things that have hindered us. And over the years, it so drains us, we become questioning whether God is really the God that can transform and the God that can change. And we live with that mess in our life. And only the Holy Spirit of God that can go in there and clean up the mess and get us past the hurdles and the struggles and all of those things that affect our attitude and affect our our desires. It takes the Holy Spirit. So what does he do? What does God do for us? He shifts my past. He wants to share my present. He sources my power, but he does something else and I need to hurry. He shapes my future. He gives me a perspective of hope. What's your perspective, Pastor Romans 8:28? And it's very simple. We know that all things work together for the good of them that love God, and who are the called according to His purpose. God's at work. I'm not saying that everything that's happened in my life has been good. I've had a lot of sorrow and broken heart. I've had a lot of reverses, but I never wanted to quit. I've been discouraged. My problem was I didn't have anything to go back to. The world didn't want me. They never did treat me very good. So I couldn't go back. Only thing I could do was just hang on for dear life. I'm glad for a hope. To know that God is at work in my, the world, they don't have that kind of a hope. They, they don't realize there's a God that makes a difference, wants to shape our future. But he, not only that, he, he gives us power over death. I needed that, I don't know about you. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said to that little sister of Lazarus, I'm the resurrection of the life, and he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Isn't that good? There's a community, and a guy had gotten hurt. There had been an accident, and they needed to trans- transport him to another nearby city. They didn't have a very good hospital. And the only ambulance they had in the entire area was out of commission. And finally, the mortician said, well, you can borrow my hearse. Just put him in the back of the hearse, lay him down in the back. So I'd hate to be in a hearse and wake up in it when you... And they put him in the back of that hearse and laid him down. Of course, it's got windows on both sides. And they're racing for that nearby city. And they came to a stoplight. And the, this guy that's injured and laying there in the back of the hearse wondered, what, why did they stop? Have we arrived? So he sat up, looked out the window, and there's a, a red convertible with three blondes. And one of them said, oh, my. And they all looked, and he winked at them and laid back down. Listen to me. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you can wink at death. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, when death comes, you can look. He takes the sting out of death. He he robs it of its victory because we have a hope beyond death. I'm glad for that, aren't you? Fact of the matter, he shapes my future. He gives me a perspective of hope and. And he gives me power over death. And then he gives me a prepared place in heaven. The little boy had laid down on the couch and had gone to sleep. And his daddy came down and picked him up in his arms and cuddled him and carried him all the way upstairs. Put him in in the boy's bed and put the comforters around him and tucked him in and The little boy never woke up. The next morning he said, Daddy, Daddy, he said, I I don't remember getting into bed. Daddy said, son, you didn't. Daddy put you in bed. I came downstairs and got you and I carried you up and I put you in the bed. And one day, God's going to put us to sleep and send angels for us. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I've been doing that for 30 years here, kind of slipping the covers around someone that the Lord has sent his angels for. I made a phone call yesterday afternoon, and it was all the way down to a house that overlooks the Ohio River, a little town called Syracuse, Ohio. It's a preacher lady. I, I had her husband's funeral about two years ago. She had three brothers. All three brothers one night came to the altar and were called to preach in that revival service. And she felt the call to preach later and pastored. Said word the other day. He said, ask Ray LaSalle if he'll do my funeral. They'd called in hospice. And I called her yesterday and her grandson answered and I, I, I said, could I, could I talk With Jan, her name's Jan Lavender. I said, could I talk with Jan? He said, preacher, you can. I don't know if she can answer back. And I could barely, hardly understand anything she said. But I knew angels were coming. It'll just be a few days and she'll close her eyes and sleep. To wake up in heaven. Do you know what Jesus does for me? well, I'm grateful. I don't know about you, I'm grateful. I'm so glad for what he's done. I I just, I want to tell everybody what he's done. This young guy had taken his old dad with him to the ball game, and it was miles to get into that city, and fought the traffic, and they got their seats, and found with the tickets where the seats were and got all seated and about that time the band kicked into the National Anthem the old dad got excited like a war horse, jumped up, put his hand over his heart and began to sing as loud as he could and they weren't planning on any singing. They were just gonna play it. He's singing the the National Anthem and everybody's looking on that side of the stands and the boy kept his face down. After the game was over, they didn't say much as they walked to the car in the parking garage and they drove out of the city and they're heading across the darkened countryside and finally the son said, Dad, when they played the national anthem and you got up and you sang so loudly, you embarrassed me, I was ashamed. The silence swept across that car and after a little bit, the old dad began to weep and he said, Son, When you didn't stand and sing, you embarrassed me and you made me ashamed. And when I think of all that God has done for me across these years, I just want to stand and sing and tell everybody, when I look back when I was a boy and So many times I was so close to making a decision that would have ruined my life and headed me down a trail and I'd probably be in my grave and in hell this morning. But his spirit spoke to me and he shifted my past. I'm so glad that he did. I look back on my life at some of those times when somebody bragged on me and I thought maybe I'd done something good. Maybe puffed up like a peacock. I don't know. But then when things fell apart and I looked around, those same ones that had patted me on the back had disappeared. But the Lord was always there. And he'd, he'd tell me it doesn't matter whether you're a hero or you're a zero. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm glad he was there. He's come alongside of me at times and said, you know, you're struggling with things and you're wrestling with issues and if you just let me fill you with my spirit, I'll guide you and I'll direct your life and you can get over some of these things. I'm glad he came along and told me that he had a plan for my future. And my, my future was different than yours. I was attending a little Holiness Bible college and I was in the dorm and I got down that evening to pray and they made you go to bed in almost the, before the night ever thought about becoming night. Turn the lights out. They did it for us. So I'm having my little devotion and I said, God, if you've got a plan for my life, it's just as clear. I want you to preach. I said, God, you got the wrong room. You're talking about John. John's two rooms up in the dorm. And I'm not John. No, I want you. I said, this is my personality and my makeup's a little different than others. I got this, Mama calls my humor. She always called it an ornery streak in my theology. She never got it. Dad didn't either. Some of you haven't either. But I have it anyway. And after meeting mom and dad and you, why I've sure needed a lot of humor to survive. I said, God, if you want John Wesley, I'm not John Wesley. You'll have to dig him up. I want you. God had a plan for my future, and he has a plan for yours, and you better be sure you're fulfilling. The plan of God. One of these days you're going to go to sleep. Only to wake in God's blue yonder. Living for God here is a good thing. But I want to tell you the retirement is out of this world. Has Jesus done anything for you? Has God done anything in your life that you're thrilled about? Has he shifted your past? Are you the same old thing you've always been? thinking the same old thoughts, talking the same old way, or has he got the curse words out of your mouth and the evil thoughts out of your mind? Has he changed your attitude has he shifted your past? Is he sharing the present with you? Have you found him sourcing the power that's keeping you going? Have you let him shape your future? I want to tell you something this morning. As sure as my name is Ray LaSalle, there's people right now in this auditorium and watching my live stream, that he wants to shape your future. And it's time you quit resisting. And it's time that some of us start saying yes to God and giving God all of the reins of our life and say, you're in control. Whatever you want is what I want. I've tried it my way, and it's not working. I'll take your way, Father. Thanks for being a part of the Voice of the Nazarene. Visit us every Sunday at 9 a.m. with BNC's Pastor Ray LaSalle. For more information regarding BNC, visit usyrusnazarene.org.